Well, welcome to our message today. My name's Jaden, one of the pastors here at Open Life. It's all me today because Thad is on a well-deserved vacation with his family. So shout out to him. Let's be praying for him, praying that he's getting the rest he needs. We're excited to have him back next week though. But today we are continuing really in our series that we started in Easter. Now Easter is its own thing, but today we're jumping into a series called Wake Up Call. And uh, this is just gonna continue on with what Thad mentioned last week. And so really our big idea last week was that Easter is a wake-up call. And so I hope that over the last week you've been able to think about the resurrection of Jesus and how that affects your life on a daily basis since. And so, you know, it's a wake-up call Easter was to the good news, the gospel is what we call it, and the new life that we have in Jesus. And so two verses that Thad mentioned last week, I think are worth repeating for this week, and we'll probably repeat them next week as well. But the first one is this, Isaiah 26, 19 says, but those who die in the Lord will live, their bodies will rise again, those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy. For your life-giving light will fall like dew on your people in the place of the dead. And then another verse is Ephesians 5.14. It says, For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So the good news of Jesus is that we are no longer in darkness. But through faith in him, we are brought into this light. And so no longer are we shackled to death, but we are promised new life in Christ Jesus. And so we celebrate this when people make a decision to follow Jesus. We, we of course, we celebrate it when people, the way we do it at Open Life is people might uh, check on the Connect card when we use paper or on the Open Life Church app on the Connect card, you can communicate, you know, I've chosen to follow Jesus today. But a step beyond that is when you choose to participate in what's called baptism. And so we celebrate this new life because when we baptize people, when we submerge them in water, we're basically using a symbol to say we are buried in death into the water and then we are raised to new life in Christ. And so that's coming out of the water. So it's a beautiful thing that we're able to do. But I can I ask you a probing question today in response to maybe how we've been living in the last week since Easter. Did the celebration of Easter week do anything to change the way that you lived your life in the last week? It's a question to consider. And so you might say, well, it's just a holiday or it's a celebration. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus each year, just like we celebrate the the birth of Jesus each year at Christmas. But here is what I would be tempted to say. You know, I would be tempted to say, it says, since I've been following Jesus a long time, a day or a moment might not change my life like the way someone who maybe chose to follow Jesus last weekend at Easter how their life might be changed. And so, you know, I I just don't see the changes as evident because I've been following Jesus for a long time. And, you know, I agree with that. Like, I'd be tempted to say that. But also, I want to invite all of us who is watching or who are listening today right now into a moment where we can all process this together. Has my decision to follow Jesus, whenever that has happened, or the way that I like to put it, has my identity in Christ led me to be changed by him in meaningful ways 
in the way that I live my life. That's what we're going to consider today and really walk through as we go through today's message. And so this series is called Wake Up Call. And I want to know this. Have you ever been on a vacation and stayed in a hotel where you actually asked the people at the front desk to have a wake up call where they call you the next morning at the time that you told them you want to wake up? And so I imagine for people who are traveling on business, this might be a regular occurrence. But I know for me, if I'm on vacation, vacation equals no alarm clocks, no wake up time. It's time for sleeping in. And so, but I, I can see it for important meetings. And if you're experiencing jet lag, wake up calls can be very important for you for an important purpose that you're wanting to wake up for. And so this highlights what we're going to be talking about today. That's this. Our big idea is we have been awakened for a purpose. And so no one sets a wake up call when they don't have a purpose to wake up for. At least they shouldn't. Even when we're at home, you know, we set an alarm clock in the morning because we want to get to work on time or we need to get up to get to school before our first period class starts. It's we're setting a wake up call for a specific reason or a purpose the next morning. And so maybe uh, like maybe it's like because you want to get to church on time on Sundays and you want to be able to participate in worship. We should be setting wake up calls when it's important to do so. But yet some of us choose to snooze. Some of us will set an alarm hours before we need to wake up, pre-planning for the number of times you will snooze when your alarm goes off and then you'll finally wake up at the last moment. So these people are called monsters actually because they're crazy. Just set an alarm and wake up when you set the alarm. I'm a two alarm person. I set one alarm for five minutes before I need to wake up and then I set the next one for the last moment when I'll wake up. And so usually I'm up at the first one and I turn off the second one. The second one's just the backup in case I'm very tired. But have you ever had a wake up call that you didn't ask for? Like a cruel prank would be to set a wake up call at a hotel for someone and they not, they're not expecting it the next morning. But this often happens for me. I set my alarm on my watch and so uh, I'll have it repeat or something. And then like on a Saturday, I'll have an alarm go off and I was like, I could have slept in today. Why did I have to wake up so early? So it's totally annoying and it's super frustrating. But often when that happens, I ask this question, okay, I'm, I'm awake. Now what? You have been awakened by a wake-up call, but you don't know the purpose of why you're awake. Now, what am I supposed to do? I'm awake, Jesus. And so this is what I want us to think about today. Maybe you've sometimes felt like that in your relationship with Jesus. I'm awake, but now what? What does it mean? What's my purpose? And so it could be weeks or years that you've been following Jesus but maybe you feel like you've just kept hitting snooze. Like you've had a moment where you've awakened to Christ, but then life has gone on and you've fallen back asleep and you're just waiting to hit the snooze button again. That's not what we want. We want to wake up and know that we have purpose. And so this process can repeat itself over and over and over if we're not careful. And so before I take this analogy too far, I want to read part of the final chapter of the, the book of John. Thad referenced it a lot last week as we were reading through the scriptures. And he ended 
John 20 with what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, so God has sent me, so I am sending you. He was telling his disciples that God sent me and now I am sending you out to the world. And so then the gospel of John in chapter 21 has another story about how Jesus appeared to seven disciples on the, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. So to set up the verses that we're going to read today, I just want to quickly bring you up to speed with where we're at. So Peter is there and he decides, you know what? I'm not doing anything. I'm going to go fishing. And the other disciples that are with him join him. They go fishing into the night and they're not catching anything. And so the Bible says that at dawn, there's a man at the shore and he says, like, have you caught any fish? And they're like, no, we haven't caught anything. And so the man at the shore, and just spoiler alert, it's Jesus. He yells out to them. He says, put your nets on the right side of the boat and then you're going to fish. And they're like, well, we've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything, but because you say so, we'll do it. And so they do it and they catch just a huge amount of fish. And like one of the disciples, it's John, the author of the story, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved is how he's always referenced in, in the book of John. He says to Peter, he says, that's Jesus. And so what does, uh, Peter do, but he jumps up, jumps into the water and swims towards the shore so that he could be with Jesus first. And then the story doesn't really say he gets there first, but it says that they jump into it. So where we're going to jump in is John 21, 9. And just as a quick encouragement, if you want to show your kids like an example of what we're talking about, we're talking about Peter today. There's a great little kids cartoon, six minutes long, that talks about Jesus' denial and then his like reestablishment by Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, the links are in the description wherever you're watching today. If you want a quick resource for them to use, there's a lot of other videos on the YouTube channel I'll send you to. But it says this in John 21, 9. It says, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. So let me just stop here quickly. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire. That seems pretty specific. John's not just particular about the type of fires he likes his breakfast made on. No, he's referring back to something that happened earlier in John. And it's involving Peter as well. The last time that John mentions a charcoal fire, Peter is there too. And it says in John 18, 17 through 18, it says, the woman asked Peter, you're not one of you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I'm not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. So this is the story of when Peter chose to deny Jesus three times. And so that was the first time. And so the way John is describing this story in John 21 that we're reading through today is that he's really using this to set the story of Peter up for the redeeming qualities that Jesus is going to bring out of Peter. And so this is important to consider and think about as we read on in John 21 verses 15. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. 
And so here we see that Jesus is redeeming Peter's story. He's turning all of Peter's three denials into a reestablished calling to feed Jesus' sheep, to now be a leader once again in Jesus' church. And so he goes on in verse 18, and Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. So Jesus is showing Peter that his ultimate purpose is to follow Jesus. Peter has been forgiven for his past mistakes, but now is the time to take up his own cross and follow Jesus. Following Jesus was going to take laying down his own life. And so this conversation is especially moving and just really jumps off the page when you read later in 1 Peter, where Peter writes this in chapter 4, 12 through 13, he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. The one who denied Christ for being afraid of what would happen if people knew that he was with Jesus now is telling people to be glad for these trials make us partners with Christ. Peter has come full circle. Peter has been fully redeemed. Peter has been fully reestablished here. And so certainly this doesn't make Peter perfect. He's human just like all of us are. But the story with Jesus on the beach ends with his focus changing yet again. So Peter changes his focus one more time. And so Peter says this in chapter 21, 20 through 22 of John. He says, Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Again, Peter is all worked up, worrying about other people other than himself. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Just follow me. What is it to you what John is going to be doing? Follow me. And so Peter wants to know all these details. He wants to like get the, the wagon in front of the horses. But Jesus is like, stop, chill, and listen. I love you and I want you to follow me and quit worrying about all the other things that are going on. So in this context of this series, I love how this story in John 21 just really communicates a big now what type of mentality for the disciples and for Peter in particular. Jesus has con conquered death and the grave and there's new life with his resurrection. But I get the sense that in this moment, the people there were wondering, now what? Now what are we supposed to do? 
And so these moments happen in all of our lives from time to time. It's kind of like the Kairos moments that I talked about in our last series, where it's not about these moments that happen because they're on a calendar or they're chronological or that is they're talking about time, but it's these moments that happen in our lives that just are completely defining moments that really change us. And it's when these moments happen that we have to ask ourselves, now what? What is most important? And so to conclude our time today, I just have a couple thoughts for us to consider if we're asking that question of now what? Whether we've just heard the call and have awakened to new life in Jesus, or we may feel like we've been hitting that snooze button over and over because we just never found our purpose in following Jesus, we have the answer to now what? And maybe for some of you who are already following Jesus, you're going and trucking along day by day. This will just, these will just be reminders for you to look at moments like last week in Easter or in nine months when we're talking about Christmas, that these moments come along and they're just sweet moments for us to rest and remember who Jesus is and to be encouraged and launched forward in continued ministry. And so if we've answered the wake-up call and are asking this question of now what? What can we do? Well, thought one, we can know our purpose is to follow Jesus. We didn't just get a wake-up call so that we would wake up. That's not the only thing. Not just so that we would get knowledge in our brains and believe in Jesus. We received a wake-up call because Jesus is on the other line saying, follow me. Let's do life together. Jesus called uh, people to follow him and then he began to teach them the ways to live their life in response to that calling. We read about this in Matthew 5-7 through in the Sermon on the Mount. The purpose of following Jesus is not just in addition. It's not just something we add to our life. It's not a sprinkle of Jesus we add to our good lives. It's an all-consuming decision to walk out our purpose and becoming more and more like him. And Jesus explains this perfectly in Luke 9, 23 through 24, where he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And so that's just not a sprinkling of the Jesus way. That is a whole life identity change. We look at our lives differently after we choose to follow Jesus. It's a surrendering of our lives for the purposes of God. I imagine when the rooster crowed after Peter denied Jesus three times, he understood what it meant to hang on to his own life while losing it in the process. Peter was called to give up his own way, and so are we. Remember, Jesus explained to Peter the way he would die and still asked him to follow me. That's our purpose, to follow Jesus wherever he wants to lead us. And so that's thought one. But thought two is if we've answered the wake-up call and are asking the question of now what, thought two is let Jesus redeem our story. You know, we've all been called out of something in order to follow Jesus. We need to let Jesus redeem those parts of our lives that we are most ashamed of. And so maybe these things have even happened after we've chosen to follow Jesus. Either way, if they're happened before we've chosen to follow Jesus or now after, 
We're called with humbleness in our hearts to repent of those things, to turn from them, and to no longer let them hold on to our lives. And so these can often be wrapped up in shame and we often never want to address them or never even want to give them to God in prayer. But if you just look at Peter, this is why he was so hurt when Jesus asked him a third time on if he loved him or not. Because Jesus is going to his worst moment and saying, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And each time Peter had to confront his own life mistakes and the moment he was most ashamed of. But in addition to these things that maybe we've done, oftentimes there's things that happen to us that we have no control of. Maybe we come from humble beginnings that we're just not proud of. Maybe we've had bad things happen to us that we do not want to share. Maybe like there's this this feeling of inadequacy or that we're not qualified to follow Jesus because of something that's happened in our past. And we just want to keep it under the wraps and don't want to give Jesus our whole lives. When we do these things, whether out of our own power or of something that's happened to us and we slip them under the rug, we limit the redemption and the reestablishment that Christ has for us. The new life is a full new life and it redeems everything that we've done if we've chosen to ask for forgiveness. And so when you understand the full context of Peter's story, it helps us understand the lengths that God is willing to go to reestablish us. Think about this. Peter was a simple fisherman who at one moment had the honor of being with Jesus in a select few and seeing Jesus with Moses and Elijah on the, in the transfiguration. Just an, an incredible moment. But then the next moment, he's being rebuked by Jesus because Peter didn't want him to go and be crucified in Jerusalem. Again, Peter is one who got to walk on water with Jesus, but then later he's the first one to pull out a sword and cut off a guy's ear when Jesus is being arrested. Having been reestablished as the leader of the church, then you get to see how this is played out. Peter added many to the number of the church through God speaking through him. He was imprisoned for healing people. He then wrote to other churches to encourage them to stand strong in their suffering, for that is how we partner with Christ. The one who avoided suffering when he denied Jesus three times is now teaching others to be glad in their sufferings. That doesn't happen unless there's an honest moment with Jesus where we let him redeem the worst parts of ourselves. And so I just want to encourage you today. There's no perfect people allowed in the church. Humble people, yes, of course. But perfect people, not a chance. If God could use Peter, he can use you and me as well. And so let's just think about those two thoughts. Let Jesus redeem your past and then remember that your purpose is found in following Jesus. And so today our action point is this. Take your next step in following Jesus. And so for all of us, that might mean something different depending on where we're at in our relationship with Jesus and how we've chosen to follow him. So some questions for you to consider 
in this like self-examination process. Anytime we have these sorts of, sorts of conversations and ask these sorts of questions, it's a worthy endeavor. And so the first one is this, have you chosen and answered the call to follow Jesus? This is like simply, have you ever made that chance or that opportunity to follow him? This is what might be a great day to do that. Have you or do you just keep hitting the snooze button on your relationship with Jesus? Where you say like, man, I come to church pretty irregularly and I don't think about Jesus in the middle, but man, I like respond to the call, but I just press snooze, I fall asleep, and then I'm invigorated and I wake up again. That might be a step in the right direction where you say, I'm gonna make intentional steps to make this a day-by-day thing rather than a month or a year-to-year thing. Is following Jesus just an additive, like uh, this is just something I chose to do so I could go to heaven sort of thing? Or is this decision to follow Jesus an all-consuming kingdom of God here now type of decision like that you're ready to pursue on a day-by-day basis? These are questions that we can ask. And then finally, for all of us, has my relationship with Jesus shown up in the way that I'm choosing to love others? Am I loving others well? These are questions that we can be asking. So I want us, one, to ask those sorts of questions wherever we're at today. Challenge yourself to take a step in following Jesus. But number two, I want to tell you about an opportunity we have here at Open Life coming up in the next few weeks. It is called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And so I don't want you to be afraid of that word discipleship because really it's just a word that means a system or a process to help people grow closer to Jesus and then in turn help other people to grow closer to Jesus. It's really just a way for us to be people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's the mission of Open Life. And so for the past few months, we've really been looking and praying about the depth of our discipleship as a church. And especially in light of the pandemic, we said, you know what? We need to be more intentional about having these sorts of conversations because we might be tempted to just be going through the motions and faking it week to week or day to day. Or are we really doing things out of our lives that are deeply rooted in being with Jesus on a daily basis? When we commit to do that, our lives will change. When we choose to be in scripture and in prayer and in community with others on a repeat day-by-day basis, we are going to see our lives change because we're growing closer with God and with each other. And so I want you to think of Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. This is what it is. It is a eight-week course that we're going to go through this spring. This is our pilot group, the first time that we're going to do it. But we want to invite anyone who's a part of Open Life and that's been a part of Open Life in the last year, who've gone through the trials of being online and meeting on Saturdays and now back at the pack on Sundays, to join with us because we really feel like this is going to shape the future of our church together. And so if you go onto the registration, there's links wherever you're watching today. They're on the Open Life Church app. There's the, you know, quick links button. It's in there as well. But fill out the registration if this is something that's appealing to you. That you say, yes, I want to take, you know, a jolt, a jump in my relationship with Jesus through what we're going to be talking about. And so I want to encourage you to consider giving yourself 
like this opportunity where you're going to take a, a lot of what we talked about today in regards to truly following him, giving up our past and giving up our grief and giving up things that we've come out of and really slowing down and resting with Jesus in an organized and an intentional way. And so if you go to the registration and you're like, well, the times that are on the sign-up sheet aren't really going to work for me, so I'm not going to do it. Well, still, please let us know you're interested. Fill it out. And then there's an opportunity for you to tell us which times or days would be best for you so that we can, one, maybe adapt in this season or two, at least know who to jump out to and reach out to when we're able to offer them in the future. Because this isn't just like a eight-week thing and then open life is going to be magically changed. You know, that's not how it works. We are going to make an intentional effort to grow in our relationship with Jesus. And we're using this emotionally healthy discipleship format as a way to really guide our conversations and to have super constructive, like, steps that we can take to grow closer to Jesus and each other as a church. And so I'm excited for the future of Open Life, and I really hope that you are as well. And so let's consider some of those things. How am I taking intentional steps to follow Jesus? And so as we pray today, just consider that and think about if you might want to be a part of Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, or at the very least, just to commit to jumping in on the opportunities we have on a week-to-week basis to be in community, to be in worship, even if it is online, and to grow together. Maybe if you're not in scripture, join with us for the Open Life Bible Reading Plan. The links are there, and we'd love to connect with you and to just really help you grow. And so that's our heart, and I hope that you really take this opportunity. So join with me in prayer, and I'll just have some final thoughts to end our service today. God, we just thank you for what we read out of Scripture, how we can look to Peter's life and see if someone could sit there on just the night that you were crucified and deny you, and you still chose to love him and reestablish him and have him be a leader of your church moving forward. God, I know you can work in us, people that who, who are imperfect, who have our own flaws, but who are humble enough to come before you and ask for forgiveness when it's needed, God, to ask for guidance in how we live our lives for purpose of following you. And so I just pray a special blessing on each and every person watching online today. I ask, Lord, that you would encourage them and that you would bless them in the steps that they're making right now. God, if they open up a journal and just write just a note about how they want to grow in you, God, I pray, Lord, that you would not return those time that they're investing in you void, but that you would just bring your blessing and your encouragement upon them, God, as we open up scripture and as we take time to pray for those in our church and and those in our families and our friends and relationships in our communities, God, pray you would bless those prayers and we would see fruit as we live our lives more and more like you each and every day, God. And so we just ask for all of this in your mighty and powerful name. Amen.